1: Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Reading from this season to the Reading from last season. It's Justin Peach.
0: Good day to you, Ryan.
1: Justin, how are you?
0: I'm very good, thank you. I'm very, very good.
1: Good. Still being called a virgin online?
0: Yeah, yeah it's catching on now. Don't mind it, actually. There are worse things to call me, but it could, it could get worse, but I'm happy with Virgin for now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fairly apt. Um, welcome to the number one championship specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, we're back once again with matches to talk about because the FA Cup is no more for now. Uh, we've got Reading v Fulham to talk about. My God, that's going to take some dismantling, isn't it? So we're going to talk about that, look ahead to the weekend's games that are coming up, and then talk about some of the news from the past few days as well because there's been lots going on, not just in the transfer window, but also various different bits as well. But before we get Underway, dear listener, let me tell you about our friends at Fansbet, the fan led sports betting company committed to supporting charities and causes which are important to fans. You can get a terrific welcome offer of bet £10, get £30 plus 10 free spins when you sign up using the link in the description of this podcast. UK mobile registrations only. Terms and restrictions apply. Full details on site. 18 plus. Please do gamble responsibly. Visit BeGambleAware.org for more info and do also check out Fansbet. Responsible gambling tools. On Tuesday night, it was Reading nil, Fulham seven. I think the only place to start with this, Justin, is the two goal of the season contenders for Andy Carroll. Both, unfortunately, disallowed for offside. One, a very nice bicycle kick, and then the other, a chest and volley from 25, 30 yards out. I mean, the second one, if it counted, would have been goal of the decade, wouldn't it?
0: Quite comfortably maybe just for a player to be able to chest it down and hit it because Rodak didn't move either like he knew that was going in as soon as it left Carroll's foot it was a it was an absolutely gorgeous goal and um a crying shame that the offside rule is in fact the offside rule and he was offside
1: yeah definitely I mean if the first one counted it would have been glorious in itself but for someone to score two of the best goals of their <laughs> career in the first half of a game keep in mind as well I think the score was one nil at the time, want it? Mm-hmm. Um, for yeah. both of them. It's just astonishing. And then it all went quickly downhill. And when I mean downhill, I mean parachuting out of a plane and hitting the ground very quickly. Uh, when it comes to like, games like this, Justin, when it gets past 5-0, then I'm very much of the opinion that the losing team were awful and the winning team have been brilliant. It's not a case of one of the other, if you see what I mean. And I will say this, I feel like saying Reading were awful is a bit kind, to be honest, because... This performance was laughable, wasn't it?
0: It was. There isn't really much you can say. You're going into half-time 2-0 down and you're thinking, we could, if we improve, we could see the game out, keep it quite tight, could see the game out. Or you might be thinking, um, there might be a chance for a result here based on Fulham's form recently. Given Reading's form, it was highly unlikely. But at 2-0, you are still in the game. It's a cliche in football, but at 2-0, you're still in the game. Um And then after that third goal goes in, um, uh, after the hour mark by Harry Wilson, there's just a collapse, a complete collapse. And you've got to question personality, mentality and everything. Because if you go back to the Blackburn game, Fulham were, they weren't lucky, but they're fairly fortunate. They were just very good in front of goal. Um, In this game, they could have had, 10 or 11 goals. It was quite horrendous how Reading were just allowing the same thing to happen over and over again. And I can't remember which, there were so many goals, I can't remember which goal it was, but they essentially passed it to Harry Wilson into the middle and he's put it into an open goal. Um, It was laughable uh, in in, in the worst way possible. I really do feel for for Reading fans because they shouldn't have to watch their team put that level of performance out after um, a cup exit to a, a National League South side, North side uh, in Kidderminster at the weekend.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on there. When you go back to that Blackburn game, uh, where Fulham won 7-0 again, um, that was Blackburn being bad. But you could at least see there was effort being put in. And I think there was mm-hmm. also a sending off as well, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, this was just pathetic. I don't like criticising the characters of players and teams, but I saw very little from this group of players to say they wanted it more than any. Of the Fulham players, it really, really was an embarrassing performance and I'm the same as you, I feel very sorry for the Reading fans that had to sit through that and I feel, I mean, I take my hats off to any Reading fans that stayed there for the whole 90 minutes because I think after about 4-0 mm-hmm. I would have been straight out the door because there was clearly no heart from the players that were on the pitch I felt a bit sorry for some of the young lads that were there because yeah. there were a couple who were playing in this game um, I don't think you can Really point the finger at them. I think you're pointing the fingers more at the experienced pros. Some have been playing at the Premier League level for a number of years now, but here just looked like they couldn't be asked. quite frankly. I don't think I've seen a performance like it in the Championship at the time that we've been covering it, Justin, where there was just so little heart in a game.
0: Yeah, and this is where you do question character and and strength of personality because I think of Joaquin's quote, actually, where he says... I'm just going to kick someone. Um, and it's quite apt in this way, because in a game like this where you are getting panned and it gets to 4-0 and you're thinking, right, this could get ugly. Let's keep it strict. Let's let's keep it tight, disciplined. Let's um, commit as many, uh, you know, cheeky fouls as possible.
1: Let's kick someone. Roy <laughs> Keane, as you say, let's kick someone just to make me feel better. That
0: kind of thing. Yeah, just really disrupt the flow of the game is what I'm trying to get at. Um <laughs> Uh, that, that's the political way of saying, it anyway, or well, a politically correct way of saying it. Um, yeah, really disrupt the flow of the game, and they didn't do that. There was no leadership, and I know Scott Dan going off within the first ten minutes isn't ideal, um, but there's there's a there's a group of players there of a similar quality and, and age differences as, as the Derby squad. And you look at what the, the job that Derby are doing, so. Yeah, there's a lot to question at Reading at the moment. And as I say, I feel sorry for supporters mostly because it's been very quiet from Reading um, in terms of statements. There's not been a lot of media around that cup defeat at the weekend. Um, and then the, the squad put that, well, the team put that um, performance out um, last night against Fulham. It's, uh, yeah, I've got no words to say about it. Yeah, I really do feel for, uh, for supporters mostly.
1: Yeah, I think we're finally seeing the culmination of a bad few years for Reading football club haven't we I think they're in the same group as the likes of Derby and Sheffield Wednesday in the way that they've gambled on getting promotion and it feels like we're now finally seeing the consequences of what happens when that gamble doesn't pay off because I remember when I spoke to Mark Bowen for a second tier meets the former manager and sporting director of course he was more or less forced to sign George Puskas for six million quid when they needed to try and balance the books and then not long ago they were spending four times as much on wages as they were getting in income. A crazy business model, and I think that's ultimately how we've ended up in the situation where they are now. Where the squad is paper thin, they're having to rely on a small handful of talented players for results. You've got youngsters um, who are filling in gaps, and you've also got older players who are only there as a short-term stopgap, really, to just see them through. The thing is, as well, talking about short-term stopgaps, you've got a lot of players here whose contracts expire this summer coming. You've got 15 players at Reading who won't be there past July. 15 players, Mm -hmm. that's the majority of a squad. But if Reading get relegated, you've got to ask, does it really matter as much to those players who probably won't be there next season? Um, You can't say for sure that it does. So... I'd say it's really worrying times for Reading fans. You've got Derby, who are on fire at the moment, trying to make up as much ground as possible. You've got Peterborough, who are only three points behind. Sure, Peterborough aren't a great side, but based off what I saw in midweek, they've sure as hell got as more, more team spirit than Reading have, haven't they? So, without a doubt, it's a worrying time, isn't it? I think there's one thing that's for sure, Justin. It's that Velko Paunovic is under massive, massive pressure um, and for me I'll be personally surprised if he lasts much longer because it seems like a lot of Reading fans have made their mind up
0: yeah they have Um, but I do I will admit this I do have uh, an ounce of sympathy for Paunovic as well because everything you've mentioned about uh, business model about squad paper uh, paper thin squad etc etc that's all impacting Paunovic and the job that he can do you look at what he did with pretty much a fully fit squad last season um, 7th place finish it was, it was good. There was a bit of a, a drop in form that meant they dropped out of the playoffs. But seven places is, is it, uh, was a good finish for the side. Um, but there was no way they were going to be able to build on that based on the, the summer and, and what Parnovic had to deal with with injuries as well this season. Any club would struggle. Um, but when performances are this bad, then I wouldn't be surprised to see the manager go.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, hard to believe this is Fulham's first win since mid-November, isn't it? <laughs> They've only played six games in that time, but after an emphatic win like this, it's easy to forget that they were struggling, but as we've repeatedly been saying, Justin, it only seemed like a matter of time before they were back on track and one would assume that they certainly are now after this performance.
0: Yeah, seven goals is is a nice um, a nice way of announcing that, isn't it? And it's a very good way of telling the likes of uh, Bournemouth, West Brom, Blackburn, that you know we're still, we're still in the game here, we've not played for a while, we've not had a good run of form, but this is a this is a statement from us letting you know that we are we're still about and um, you know when you when you see the likes of Harry Wilson who was unbelievable I think he's one of the only few players that scored a perfect ten on who scored that I've seen since covering the championship which goes to show how how good his performance was um, and and the likes of Cabana getting on the act there was just involvement everywhere Kenny Tete you know how often do we see. Uh, Right backs scoring that are part of a back back four. Um, Kenny Tete did. I mean, Reading were bad, but at the same time, Fulham were very, very good, ruthless as well. At five nil, you might think let's just keep the keep the ball a little bit, but they just carry on going and going and going. Um, and that sort of mentality, for me, in my opinion, um, gets you to the top of the league very quickly.
1: Yeah, this was a merciless massacre. <laughs> really want it of the (laughs) highest kind and they are back with a bang now the really really scary thing justin is that you've got to look at the fixture schedule they've got coming up it doesn't get much kinder than that their games all the way up to the end of february they should be winning and they've got quite a few games in midweek in that time as well so it honestly wouldn't surprise me if there's a big points gap separating them at the top by the end of Feb and um, they're clearly the best team in the league based on players and overall performances across the course of the season I mean how often do you see a team win 7-0 twice in half a season mm. not very often so I can definitely see them waltzing off now with promotion if they don't then something will have gone seriously wrong but I think at this stage I'll be very very surprised I've got to say um Justin, shall we have a look at to the weekend? Of course, it's been quite a bit, quite a long time since we've seen some of these teams because of the FA Cup and various COVID uh, outbreaks and what have you, calling off games. It will go to QPR v West Brom, which promises to be a really fascinating game, doesn't it? Fifth against fourth. Could it be the first we see Daryl DK? In a West Brom shirt, Justin, we've been building up to his return to the Championship for a number of weeks now. How badly do West Brom need him to hit the ground running?
0: Yeah, really badly. Um, I, you, know, you look at the amount of chances um, West Brom create. It's it's amazing that they're not um, up there with Fulham or closer to Fulham, uh, not only in, in points, but also goals scored. Um, so that goes, I mean, it tells you that the strikers have been underperforming badly and obviously being relying heavily on Kyle and Grant. So Daryl DK coming in, even if he scores eight, nine, ten goals um, between now and the end of the season, he'd have done, he'd have done his job quite nicely. Um, but yeah, getting him up and firing very quickly uh, <laughs> is, in, is in West Brom's best interest because we've said it many a times, defensively they're very, very good. Arguably one of the best teams in the division, but um, a lot of pressure gets put on that defence when they carry on missing chances um, and that enables teams into games you know it's quite easy to nick a 1-0 win against a team who can't score um, with your only shot on target it's been done already this season so yeah Daryl D.K. coming in and, and scoring goals straight away is a massive massive need for West Brom
1: yeah you mentioned scoring eight nine ten goals this season you oh, Callum Grant's the only player who scored more than five goals this season for West Brom. They desperately need another stream of goals continuously um, for them to be promotion contenders this season Um, because they have drifted away in recent weeks, but it's still well within week, well within reach. It's just a matter of um, scoring goals really, because we all know defensively they're one of, if not the best team in the league at that. It is just putting chances in the back of the net, which has been so frustrating at times, but DK can be that man because he had a fantastic conversion rate for Barnsley last season. He needs to bring it back now with a West Bomb. Let's go to QPR, who seem to have got going again after their spell without playing. Two wins in a row now. They've definitely been the side who have suffered the most with AFCON call ups, though, haven't they? Sani Dieng, <laughs> Elias Chair, and Osman Karkai have all been called up. Reading are the only other championship side to have more than one player called up to the tournament. So, how badly do you think Rangers will miss that trio? I'm thinking more of the first two as opposed to Kai Kai as well. No disrespect to him, but he doesn't really have as much of an impact as the other two, does
0: he? No, yeah, Kai Kai's a, a squad player, so maybe not unless there's um, a severe injury crisis. Dieng um, has been out of form this season, um, certainly not as, as good as last season, but he's still a top, top goalkeeper anyway. Um, I think it's been alleviated now. David Marshall's come in um, until the end of the season. Obviously, Jordan Archer injuring his shoulder, saving the match-winning penalty at the weekend is really bad luck. But getting getting an experienced goalkeeper in is a positive. Chair is, is the obvious one um, because of how good he is this season, uh, or how good he is sorry, going forward and how good he has been this season. But Chris Willick has, as well has stepped up um now, what you're asking for QPR is kind of likes so of Charlie Austin, Andre Gray, and Lyndon Dykes step up. Lyndon Dykes has got a couple of goals in the last couple of games, which is a massive um, plus for QPR. It's just whether or not they can sustain it against a, a very good West Brom defence. Um, that's the question you've got to ask going into this game. Um, but yeah, certainly Dieng uh, being issue, but David Marshall more than capable of uh, filling his place and chair the obvious one, but Willick stepped up.
1: I liked how uh, the QPR Twitter account the other day said "Good luck to all the Rangers players taking part in the African Cup of Nations." I was think I was thinking that is the most tongue in cheek good luck ever <laughs> because obviously the bottom is get knocked out quicker because then they'll get back into the team. So I think it's a, a bit of a two way street for uh, the QPR Twitter team there. Um, score prediction then, Justin? How do you see this one going?
0: I, I think it might be, I um, probably one one. I think Darrell uh, DK might not have the impact going in this game as as much as everyone would like and I think QPR might be a bit more resolute because of uh, missing players but yeah 1-1 for me
1: Yeah I'm I'm siding more towards a West Brom win I think a 1-0 Baggies win for me I think Rangers obviously have got the two wins under the belt now they haven't impressed me too much in those two wins I don't think they were particularly um, you know Top gear in those wins, as we've said plenty of times this season. Whereas I think West Brom, on the other hand, it's only a matter of time before they start getting wins on the board as long as DK hits the ground running. So, yeah, I'll head for a 1 0 West Brom win. Derby v Sheffield United. I think two teams, Justin, every other team in the Championship would least like to face right now, aren't they? For differing reasons.
0: Yeah, quite right. I mean, it's quite difficult to see where Sheffield United are at because. I can't remember the last time they played, I know they played at the weekend in the FA Cup um, but before then, you're going back to mid-December, aren't you? Um Yeah, it's a while. Yeah, it's, 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 it's been a while um, and they've almost been a, a, an afterthought just because they haven't played. Um, but you think before um, postponements, yeah, they're in very good run of form. Paul heckingbottom has got him playing the way he wants them to play, the way Sheffield United should be playing or this squad should be playing. Um, and they were picking up results. That Fulham result was, was brilliant, tactically fantastic. And you've got Derby, uh, Derby who are really starting to um, get their wheels in motion on, on what they're trying to achieve this season and, and playing-wise as well. They're very, very good, even in um, even in the defeat to Coventry last last weekend. Um they were retaining the ball quite quite well. They look really good in possession, just lacking um, a cutting edge, which has been an issue with Derby all season. But they have shown against the top, top teams, like West Brom, Bournemouth, Fulham, that they can get results against you. So I think this will be an uncomfortable game for Sheffield United. And again, it's a very difficult one to to um, separate in terms of the two teams. you have know, got a team that hasn't played for a long time compared to a team that are in a really good run of form.
1: Yeah, Sheffield United's last game was actually that Fulham game, which was a month ago now, pretty much. <laughs> um, so yeah, they another side who haven't played in a while. They also had quite a few players missing through injury and in COVID for their FA Cup game against Wolves at the weekend. So a lot could depend on who Paul, Pe- Paul Heckingbottom has available to him. If it is a full-strength side, then... I think I'd be siding with a Blades win because they've been so impressive under Heckingbottom since he took over. And quite frankly, I've struggled to see many teams getting the better of them right now. But Derby, I've got a fantastic record against the top teams, including Sheffield United. Uh, don't they? They beat them a few months ago. Sheffield United did. But it was only through a 89th minute penalty after Curtis mm-hmm. Davis lost his mind and tried to handball <laughs> it away. Uh, but Derby's record against those top sides and only two losses at Pride Park this season. Are you fancying another impressive result for Wayne Rooney's boys then, Justin? I
0: tell you what, I I don't. I think Sheffield United might win. Um, I, yeah, I'm going to edge towards Sheffield United. I think um, it's a game that Billy Sharp relishes as well. And I think the more the crowd get on his back, the better he gets. Um, and I think that might edge the game. Uh, so I'm going to go 1-0 Sheffield United. Tight game, but 1-0 Sheffield United.
1: Well, Billy Sharp has... Is- Even admitted he's not a big fan of Derby County as a football club, hasn't he? After last time's shenanigans in the meeting between these two. Um, I'll go for a draw. It's hard to really give too much of an accurate prediction when you don't know who's actually going to be playing for Sheffield United, but we'll Mm -hmm. maybe get a better idea once we see the starting line-ups. And finally, then, just in the final game, we'll look ahead to this weekend, is Peterborough v Coventry. And considering what we were saying about Reading earlier... Peterborough will be heading into this weekend knowing that they've got a great opportunity to catch up with the Royals because we all know that Posh are a competitive side at London Road, aren't they? And they need to get three points here, don't they?
0: They're, they're desperate for the three points. Um, and I think they've got as good a chance as they have done all season uh, to getting some. They're, they're playing against a Coventry team who haven't been a good run of form um, uh, as well as you know their whole team performance and form, dropping, dropping. Individuals' forms dropped as well. Callum Maher, not as not as creative and impactful as he has been. Um, Matty Gardin, Victor Garro's goals have dried up for them. Darbo, well, Gray uh, Darbo looked really poor um, last week against Derby. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of um, a lot of not problems for Coventry, but the wrong time to be not in form, uh, I'd say. Um, and with Peterborough, you know, Ballymumber has come in on loan from. Uh, from Norwich which is a, a very good signing and he showed his quality at the weekend uh, there are sides for me that I think um, could pick up quite a few results going into second half of the season there's there's nothing to base it on I just, I've just i just got a funny feeling that Peterborough might see the likes of Reading struggling Cardiff, um, and Cardiff they'll, and they'll try and capitalise on that um, and as well as that they're, they're looking like they're going to be productive in the transfer market as well so going into this game I think Peterborough in a much stronger position than Coventry and um, Based on performances of the last couple of games. Interesting.
1: Coventry are struggling. No winning six for them. So a win for them as well would be very handy, especially if top six is still uh, a aim for them this season. Can I get a score prediction from you, Justin?
0: I'm, uh, I'm going to go with a 2 1 Peterborough win. Another Ballymumber goal.
1: I'll, I'm saying with it this with not much confidence, but I'll go for a 1 0 Peterborough win. I'm uh, not too confident on that, but uh, Peterborough they desperately need something here don't they and they aren't a bad side at London Road so yeah more out of hope than expectation really Right Justin let's have a quick break after that we'll talk about some of the news from the past few days including following Balogun and his confirmed signing for Middlesbrough Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast and now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news and we'll kick things off with some transfer news, Justin. Middlesbrough loan signing of Arsenal youngster following Balogun has now been confirmed. I know you had a lot to say about the financial side of this signing, Justin, but how do you think it will go on the pitch
0: it's, it's really difficult to say I, I read a stat earlier that he's the top uh, goal scorer ever in the Premier League reserve leagues the, the Premier League 2 the PL2 um, but it's quite difficult to see how or it's quite difficult for some players to replicate that form in senior football um, he's, he's a good player he's got a lot of good attributes he's, he's good with his back to goal he's good with the ball at his feet not like most strikers um, he is a player that are in need and um, I think if he is to fire Borough to promotion, he's, he's got to be very consistent. And again, it's quite difficult with a young player to see what impact they'll, they'll have because um, they're not playing many senior games. Um, but if they can get five or six goals out of him, I think he'd have done his job. And it's the same with the likes of Aaron Connolly and um, Sparrow as well, getting the same amount of goals.
1: I hope he's a success because there's been a lot of positive things said about Balogun for quite some time now, hasn't there? He's been very highly thought of by people who watch him a lot playing for arsenals under 23s um and quite often when it's players like this who are fairly unproven at a senior level they either go one of two ways really don't they they either have i don't know a re Brewster kind of a season from a Mm -hmm. couple of seasons ago where he comes in and just you know tears it up if it's that kind of player then Middlesbrough will be you know Rubbing their hands together. On the other hand, we have had players in the past who have not played much senior football and have been a bit overwhelmed by it. Um, plenty of names have fallen into that category, as Middlesbrough find out over the years as well. So, it could, it could definitely go one of two ways, where it could either be a Ream Brewster signing, or it could be a bit of a disappointment really so yeah I'm very interested to see how this goes It is worth pointing out Middlesbrough haven't had a good record with signings over the past few seasons and neither has Chris Wilder for that matter as well so yeah I'm very interested to see how it goes it's definitely going to be one that I think will be under the microscope the most in the championship over the next um, few months or so but Middlesbrough will be Hoping and crossing everything they've got, that Balogun will be the success that many people are hoping he will be at Riverside. Uh, Swansea have brought in MK Don's goalkeeper Andrew Fisher, Russell Martin raiding his old club. Justin,
0: yeah, it's, it's a decent side. I did a fair bit of reading on on Andrew Fisher again. He's a, he's a player that's very good with his ball, with the ball at his feet. Um, accomplished goalkeeper enough. Uh, it's just again whether or not they, they can make a step up. But you look at the. Um, you look at Lee Nichols, for example. He's he's gone from MK Dons to to um, Huddersfield, and he's been absolutely fantastic this season. Um, it's just a case of just letting him bed in uh, under under Russell Martin, um, getting repurposed, um, uh, I guess, um, under his philosophy and style of play. But yeah, it's it's a, it's a good signing, good value for money signing, as well. Four hundred thousand pounds, I think, is a reported figure, which is uh, a decent amount for a young keeper.
1: Yeah, I really like this signing. Up in the I don't watch. League one as much as championship obviously, but in the fair few times I've seen Andrew Fisher, he looks to be one of the best young goalkeepers outside of the championship and Premier League. Um and the most important thing I think is that he knows how to play in a Russell Martin system mm-hmm. because he's the one starting the moves. And that's gonna be so important to how Russell Martin wants to play. And with that being said, I think it's a really good sign and I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. Um plenty of Big praise coming from people who watch him a lot more than I do. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing him him in a Swansea shirt because Swansea have also needed a new goalkeeper for quite a while now as well, haven't they? (laughs) Um, Stoke have signed highly rated Man City defender Taylor Harwood-Bellis. Blackpool have got in Rochdale striker Jake Beasley. He scored 12 goals in 26 games for the Dale this season. Peterborough have been busy so far. They've signed goalkeeper Stephen Bender on loan from Swansea and Norwich youngster Bally Mumba. Forrest have got in Toronto FC defender Richie Larrier. QPR brought in Derby goalkeeper David Marshall on a permanent deal as well. Away from confirmed deals and Leeds defender Cody Drame is set to go on loan to. Cardiff Nottinghamshire live is linking MK Don's midfielder Scott Twine with a move to Forrest meanwhile they continue to be interested in Millwall's Jed Wallace with the night with the Lions now looking at plans for his replacement I mean if Jed Wallace goes to Forrest Justin that would be a ridiculous buy wouldn't it
0: yeah it would it would um I I mean as a, a championship watcher sort of licking my lips at that the likes of Brennan Johnson um Lewis Grabban, Keenan Davis, and Jed Wallace is a is a very healthy um, forward range to to choose from, and it gives Steve Cooper a lot more flexibility, more more flexibility than he ever had at Swansea. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he does move, and if he does, what he, what Steve Cooper can get out of them. Absolutely. The Daily Mail says Middlesbrough are
1: trying to hijack a deal for Charlotte FC midfielder Riley McGree. Celtic have been negotiating a move for the Australian. He was, on course, of course, on loan at Birmingham for the past year and a bit. Um, from what you saw of him at Birmingham, Justin, do you think it would be a good signing for Blues, uh, for Middlesbrough, that is?
0: Yeah, yeah d- definitely. Yeah. He's a player who um, really was quite influential at Birmingham City to the point where, where City fans were good that, he, that he'd left. Um, and he's left a massive hole uh, in terms of creativity and, and, and goals as well for for Birmingham. So I think you know, he'd be a very good player to fit into that um, Chris Wilder system. He's a hard worker as well I mean, you've got to be if you're going to thrive in a Lee Bowie system and you've got to be if you're going to thrive in a Chris Wilder system as well. Um, so he definitely fits the mould and he, he adds that um, he adds a lot more creativity and a, and a bit more of a goal threat as well to to Borough's team.
1: When I've seen him at Birmingham, I, I thought he's impressed me. I think he's been one of Birmingham's best players for this season so far, but I wouldn't say he's particularly pulled up many trees considering some of the fees I've been looking at reported for him. So, I think I've seen 5 million talked about, which I think is a bit mm. steep because I don't think he's has yeah. that good. But um, yeah, nonetheless, let's um, see how that pans out, see if it actually happens. The Press Association says Stoke are looking to bring in Chelsea midfielder Lewis Baker, someone I'd completely forgotten existed. <laughs> and I can't believe he's 26 and still at Chelsea. Who's given him new contracts? How is he still at Stamford Bridge? I don't get it. Um, Sky Sports say Gareth Bale could move to a Welsh Championship side. Once his contract at Real Madrid expires, Carve Solicole says his other option may very well be to retire, despite only being 32. But, Justin, just imagine it. Gareth Bale in the Championship again. It
0: would be beautiful, wouldn't it? Um, I hope it goes as, as good as his last debut went in the Championship for Southampton. But how vague is that headline? A Welsh Championship side almost not ruling out Swansea or Cardiff. Very yeah, uh, very interesting headline. But um, I mean, it's more likely going to be Cardiff, I would have thought. But yeah, that would be yeah. that would be a beautiful sight, a beautiful, beautiful sight to see that flowing main, not necessarily running up and down the wing because uh, he doesn't do that anymore. But at least pulling that left foot back for a decent shot on goal. <laughs> I'd love
1: to see him at a Cardiff shirt. I think it'd be magnificent to see. It is, where it, it does seem like this is a very realistic possibility. I remember last summer there was talk of it happening but I think it was always a bit far-fetched at that point but Mm -hmm. now there is talk about it potentially happening and if he is a Cardiff fan I think it's been very well publicised it, that he's kind of fallen out of love with football a bit. His heart's Mm -hmm. not in it as much as it used to be. What better way for him to get his you know, head back in the game than playing for his boyhood side and mm-hmm. loving his football again. Plus, he's going to be absolutely tearing it up because, I mean, Gareth Bale, compared to the talent of most players in the Championship, is going to be <laughs> astonishing. So... I don't see why not. He's got enough money to last him a lifetime now as well, has he? So I don't think Cardiff are going to have to be, you know, pulling out the big books to sign him either. So why not? Make it happen, Gareth. We all want to see you <laughs> in the Championship again. It would be wonderful to see. Away from transfers, according to multiple reports, Mike Ashley is considering a bid for Derby. It's thought a consortium had been well-placed to take over the club, but no announcement has been made yet. And that has led to Ashley being given a chance to swoop in. It's unclear right now how serious his interest is, Justin, but how do you feel about him taking over the club?
0: Yeah, I mean, he got linked back in sort of October, September time, didn't he? Um, I think I said that beggars can't be choosers in this situation from a Derby perspective. A lot of Newcastle fans will say, I mean, that they'll curse at him um, and, and fair enough that's that's their opinion but in Derby's situation um, their circumstances are completely different to Newcastle's Derby County need uh, a wealthy person to come in who has a good track record with football um, who has a track record with football should I say whether that's good or not is, is up to um, whoever's judging him um, which is the administrators um, so yeah I'd, I'd say yes to Mike Ashley. I don't have any any issues with it, um, I'd say yes to the other consortium that's been reported Andy Appleby. Don't see any issues with that either. Just needs to get over the line, whichever one it is. Mike Ashley, wealthy person, good at problem-solving with, with businesses that are going under, so Darby definitely fits the bill, doesn't it?
1: I think Mike Ashley has been given a bad reputation by Newcastle fans. Some of that may be, deser- may be deserved. I'm not sure he's a particularly nice person, but at the same time, I think... Derby you're quite right beggars can't be choosers and in this situation I think Mike Ashley would be perfect for Derby County I've seen plenty of Derby fans hissing at the name I think I saw Niall Horan from One Direction uh, cursing the idea but I think he'd be perfect for Derby he'd wipe out the debt because he's got enough money to do so and it's in his best interest to get Derby back into the Premier League so he'll do what's needed I mean Newcastle In the time that Mike Ashley was there, they only had two seasons out of, I think it was 14, 15, where they weren't in the Premier League. And in that time, they were still spending money. It wasn't like Newcastle fans were saying where they were spending nothing. Of course, a lot of it didn't come from Mike Ashley's pockets, but it's being reinvested back into the club, the money that they make from other things. So I do think Mike Ashley gets a, a lot harsher reputation than he actually deserves. And I think for Derby County, he would be the perfect man to take charge of them because as I say it's in his best interest to get them back into the Premier League if you say to a Derby fan in a year's time you'll have your depths wiped out Um, God knows what league you'll be in but at least you'll be back on the right course to go and stadium again again. and own your stadium again I don't really see how Derby fans can complain about that so I think Mike Ashley would be perfect for Derby really Uh, Bristol City CEO Richard Gold says the club could take a points deduction instead of having to sell their players in the summer. It comes after the club announced the loss of more than £38 million. Speaking to Bristol Live, Gold said, Would we prefer to sell all our players or take a penalty hit if they decide to prosecute, they being the EFL? Well, that is the decision that we'll have to look at and a judgment we take in the summer when we get more feedback from the EFL. What have you made of this, Justin? Uh,
0: I think it's absolutely bonkers um, that they're willing to, to do that, mainly because there's no guarantee that they'll even be in a position where they can take a points seduction. You look at the team now, They're um, where are they? They are on 30 points. They're just 11 points above Peterborough, who are in 22nd. You, you know, take six points off, for example, same as Reading. They're quite close to the relegation zone, so I don't think there's a guarantee that they will avoid relegation if that happens. For me, the issue is um, Bristol's really bad spending. Uh, we look at the money they got for uh, Adam Webster, £25 million, Joe Bryan, Bobby Reid, that's nearly 40, £40 million worth of um, incomings from from player sales. Where have you invested that? Where's that money gone? Um, it's gone into players who are quite simply not up to the task, not, not good enough, not not creating value for, for the football club. And, um, and that's that's where the issue is if you sell your players and reinvest it and have a succession plan in place and a good recruitment um, team in place then you'll have no issues whatsoever Um, I think that sort of attitude is an absolute kick in the teeth to the likes of um, Preston, Luton uh, even Brentford for example who always have a plan in place when a player is sold um, who who, um, spend within their means Um, yeah I don't I don't like that attitude at all and I think that's where um, it gets a bit uh, not not crazy but a bit wild wild west when it comes to spending in the championship
1: I think Bristol City are kind of in the similar mode to what we were saying earlier about Reading how they're another side who have had a crack at promotion and it's just not worked out and in terms of long-term planning there doesn't seem to have been much long-term planning so hmm. yeah I, I do agree with what you, most of what you've said there. Former Stoke defender Ryan Shawcross has retired. He's now at Inter-Miami, but well, was at Inter-Miami, but has been struggling for games because of a back injury. But a great career, yeah. Could have been better if it wasn't for injury. He's only played 19 mm. games in the last three seasons, which I think just about sums up his last few uh, seasons in his career, hasn't he? But, I mean, you talk about Premier League playing for England... He's had a good career, has And finally, Bournemouth midfielder David Brooks says his cancer treatment is making good progress and his outlook is promising and positive. He was diagnosed with stage 2 Hodgkin lymphoma in October. He's now at the halfway stage of his treatment, which is good news, isn't it? Right now, it's time for this. All right, all right. Settle down, you lot. It's time for the Craig Bryson pub quiz. Indeed it is, Mr Bartender. This is the game where Justin and I try to guess a mystery championship legend. This week it's Justin's turn to give me six clues on a player who's made at least 200 championship appearances. All I've got to do is guess who it is. The score currently is 8-6 to myself. Last week, for the first time in months, one of us got it wrong. Justin couldn't guess Ryan Shotton, which means I now have the chance to give myself a three-point lead, which could be massive in the grand scheme of things. Although it is worth saying we have given each other permission to be a bit more obscure with the players. Hmm. So it'll be interesting to see who Justin goes with this week, considering Ryan Shotton isn't the most obscure, but uh, I digress. Come on there, Justin, hit me. Give me the first clue, please. I
0: made 213 appearances, 213 appearances scoring seven goals.
1: Defending them. Um, I shall go with...
0: Ryan Dixon. Ryan Dixon. <laughs> the left back. That's great. <laughs> I was thinking obscure. Yeah, yeah that is obscure. Uh, bearing in mind he only played about twenty games in the Championship. That's very obscure. Um, I started out at Manchester United without making an appearances. Without making an appearance before moving to Blackpool where I played hundred and ninety one games.
1: Ryan Dixon played more than that, didn't he? Oh, my getting a mixed up with someone else? I might be getting mixed up with Dan Harding, actually. yeah. What was
0: that clue, sorry? I started out at Manchester United without making an appearance before moving to Blackpool, where I played 191 games. Blackpool. Um, Stephen Craney? No. No, no, it's not Stephen Craney. It feels like he might. I don't think he was, but he... Mm. Yeah, there was a Craney there. Or a Tierney. Uh, I then moved to Oldham and then Doncaster where I was part of the team that won promotion to the Championship in
1: 08-09 interesting um, I'm struggling to think of players from that team I can think of Matt Mills but he was at Man City but he's the only player that to my head uh, I'll go Richie Wellens is it Richie Wellens? <laughs> <laughs> a light bulb just went off in my head <laughs> oh Justin is fuming Justin is absolutely fuming you've not had much luck with this uh, in the last few weeks have you
0: no comment
1: are you falling out of love with the game oh you'd have an ex-John <laughs> Coleman <Accident> Stanley <laughs> moment just falling out of love for football now
0: it's, it's incredibly disappointing not only having to find a player that is obscure enough and then find the right clues for you to just pull a name out of the hissing air <laughs> that might be <laughs> that person it's infuriating and in the fact that you go for an obscure player hoping that you get back in the game points wise and then you, yeah I'm fuming
1: thank you for the congratulations Justin can we have the last three clues <laughs>
0: uh, you can um, after a season with Doncaster in the championship I then joined Leicester for 1.2 million where yeah, I was a pivotal player definitely got it by that point mm. Uh, I was a pivotal player in the winter of the playoff semi play- playoff final. played both games in the playoffs against Cardiff, watching my idiot teammate Jan Kermigan miss a Penanker penalty. Call him an idiot. He did a daft thing, didn't he? It's a bit harsh. It was a daft thing, Kermigan penenkering.
1: Calling him an idiot's a bit bit harsh, isn't it?
0: I might be pulling a quote out, you never know. I wasn't. Oh, okay. That that's actually my yeah, that's my statement. Yeah, that's quite harsh actually. Anyway, he's not coming on, <laughs> is he? <laughs> I played the next season in one player of the year, despite Paolo Sosun's Van Goren and Ericsson being in charge. Mm. Okay. So that was that influx of money that came in. I left to go back to Doncaster before going into management with Oldham, Swindon, Salford, and most recently, Doncaster. Yeah,
1: yeah. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. 9-6 to myself now for the season. I mean, it, it's becoming a bit of a streak for me at this point, because... Justin got it wrong last week but when was the last time I got one wrong ladies and gentlemen I'm flying here so yeah 9-6 to me for the Craig Bryson now it's going to take a mighty effort for Justin to overcome that for the rest of the season but there we go another episode of the second tier rounded up for another week we'll be back again on Sunday to go through all the games coming up in the championship this weekend um, hopefully going to be a full fixture list for once as well although I I'm touching wood when I say that because I'm not sure it's actually going to happen but there we go second tier podcast we're back again on Sunday I've been Ryan Dilks
0: I've been Justin Peach
1: thank you for listening